This morning, our statement of faith will be given to us by Mr. T.J. Franklin. This is my Bible. This is my Bible. It is the word of truth. It is the word of truth. I am. I am. What it says I am. What it says I am. I can do. I can do. What it says I can. What it says I can. I am a. I am a believer. I'm a believer. And not a doubter. And not a doubter. I'm a doer. A doer. And not just a hearer. And not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I'm humble before the Lord. I am obedient to the Lord. I am obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I am enthusiastic about the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that. I know that. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by. And hearing by. The word of God. The word of God. Amen. Amen. Put your hands together. Amen. 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 If you would, please turn to Ephesians, the second chapter. Ephesians, the second chapter. And I will be reading verses 8 and 9. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And it reads, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and not that of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen? Amen. You may be seated. The title of this morning's message is God's Grace and Our faith. God's grace and our faith. My objective is to let you know that we as a people are where we are only because of the grace of God and our faith to believe. God always keeps his promises and his promises are always kept on time. God is the controller of time, and his timeline may be a little different from ours. But rest assured, just as he brought the children of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt, and just as he brought our ancestors out of the bondage of the owners of the cotton fields, he can bring you out of whatever it is that has you under bondage. Here we are. One more day in February 2022 will be history. February, the second month of the year is recognized for three significant occasions. There's President's Day, there's Valentine's Day, and we also celebrate it as Black History Month. I often joke around stating that they gave us a month to celebrate our history, but they gave us the month with the least number of days. When I sat down and started thinking about this message, I had no idea of which way to go. Should I speak about President's Day? Should I speak about Valentine's Day? Or celebrate our history? George Washington, the first president of the United States, 
also known as the father of our country. And Abraham Lincoln, the 16th president of the United States, who's credited with freeing the slaves, were both born in the month of February. Their stories and achievements were etched in my heart as well as most American children as soon as we started school. We were taught that George Washington chopped down his father's favorite cherry tree. And when asked if he did it, he said, I cannot tell a lie. I did it. Or Abraham Lincoln, who while working in a store, realized that a customer had paid him too much money. So at the end of the day, Lincoln chose to walk several miles out of the way on his way home to give the man back his change. The amount of four cents. That must have been a lot of money back then. Now, all those, these are great stories that demonstrate integrity and honesty. We aren't sure of their validity. They have used these stories as examples in order to inspire us to grow up and to be the same way as those presidents. Why didn't they teach us to be like Jesus, whose story is certified truth? I didn't feel like I wanted to talk about the presidents. For the past five years, I've heard too much about the goings-on that take place in that office. Now I was down to two subjects, meaning that I didn't know if I wanted to speak about black history or if I wanted to talk about love, because February is typically known as the month of love. And we are encouraged at this time to reflect on the importance of love in our lives and in our family and friend relationships. So in following the lead of that accomplished songstress, Natalie Cole, if I'm allowed to re repeat what she said back in 1977, I got love on my mind. I was going to talk about love. I was going to talk about the seven love languages. I know. Somebody wrote a book and said that it was five of them. Two of them got lost. And we probably need to go and find those two. Back in 1976, the great philosopher, Stevie Wonder, said that love was in lead of love today. So that is why we probably need to go and find those other two, because love needs some love today. I was going to touch on the four types of love that are spoken about in the Bible. Those are the storge, which is the family love as shown by Martha and Mary for their dead brother Lazarus. Philia, the brotherly love. John 13, 34 and 35 says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. There's eros. This is the sensual or the romantic love 
as mentioned in Proverbs 5, 18 and 19, where it says, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth as a loving deer and a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you at all times and always be entrapped with her love. And then there's the agape. This is the highest of the four types of love in the Bible. This term defines God's immeasurable, incomparable love for humankind. It is the divine love that comes from God. Agape love is perfect, unconditional, sacrificial, and pure. Jesus Christ demonstrated this kind of divine love to his Father and to all humanity in the way that he lived and died. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth would not perish but have eternal life. And I've realized that no matter what, when you preach God's word, it always comes back to the agape love. Yes, love would have been an ideal subject to speak on since this is the love month. But my mind was made up for me last week while looking at the announcement slides. I saw one that said, dress up in your African attire for the last Sunday in February. So that solved it for me. This morning, I would like to take a few minutes to celebrate with you. I want to celebrate those who have sacrificed their lives and livelihoods in order for us as a people to get to where we are today. We've made great strides and accomplished many things, but these accomplishments came with a lot of costs, a lot of blood, a lot of sweat, a lot of tears, a lot of humiliation and degradation, a lot of headaches and heartbreaks. So I want to celebrate with you this morning because we've come a mighty long way and I want you to know that the reason is because of God's grace and our faith. How is it possible that a once enslaved people can come so far? We were once called the wretched of the earth, but now we have become leaders. How is this? How is it that despite impossible odds, an entire race of people who appeared doomed for destruction were not destroyed, but we actually prospered? That just goes to show that there is nothing impossible for God. Many rationales have been given for the survival of the African-Americans' growth in the United States. But none quite explains it better than the fact that we have been beneficiaries of God's amazing grace. Grace is unmerited favor. It is a blessing that has flowed from God to the undeserving. It is not payment for a job well done or credit earned for achievements. Grace is God's love that is shared with all who will accept his benevolence. If any race 
should understand God's grace. It should be one that has experienced life's bitter pills. Those who have tasted the coffee grounds of life, who were made to wallow in the mud of one man's abuse of another. These are the ones who understand what it means to experience God's grace. Our people were brought to these shores for the most part against their will. But we have broken the shackles that had us bound, and we have risen. We have picked the cotton, contributed to scientific development, built schools, represented this nation on foreign shores. We have given America the songs of our past, the blues of our sorrows and the spirituals of our never-dying hope. We have given America our blood in great battles to guarantee its freedom. How is it possible for any race of people who has suffered so much, do so much, were it not for the grace of God? If we look back, we should now understand the lyrics of the old Negro spiritual. How I got over. How I made it over. You know, my soul looks back and wonders how I got over. Only those who know about the love of God for all of his people can understand the mystery of how we got over. As Christians, we know that it has been the grace of God that has prepared us, protected us, provided for us, and propelled us over the centuries. And it will be the grace of God that will see us through. Turn with me, please, to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. I want to focus on verses 1 through 13. But for the sake of time, I'll only read verses 1 and 2 and briefly touch on the others. This particular text focuses on the final instructions of Moses to the children of Israel before they entered into the promised land. This was not long before Moses, who at the age of 120 years old, was made aware that the people would make it to the land of promise, although he himself would not get there with him. In the first 13 verses of Deuteronomy 28, Moses repeats promises that he had given earlier on the instructions of God. As long as Israel remained a people who were God-fearing and obedient to God, they were to enjoy the blessings of God in every aspect of their life. And it reads, now it shall come to pass, 
if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. The next 11 verses say that these former slaves were promised to be blessed if they lived in the city or if they lived in the country. That they would be blessed with many babies called the fruit of their bodies. And they shall be blessed to the point that whatever they planted and whatever they herded would also be prosperous. These former slaves would be blessed with a full basket of rich foods. And despite the plots of their enemies to destroy their, move, their movements, they will be blessed going in and coming out. Moses said that the enemies of these former slaves would be defeated in front of their very eyes. The places and the ways that these former slaves store and preserve their resources will be blessed and fruitful. And the people of the world will see how God raised up this people and we'll, be, and we'll become afraid of them because of their babies and the way that they dominate, multiply, and cover the land. In addition, these former slaves were to be able to build their own houses and secure their own destinies without begging or borrowing. The former slaves were promised that God would lift them up from subservience to leadership. Verse 13 says, And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. They were lifted above, no longer thought of as being second class or beneath. For the most part, Israel remained loyal to God, and God kept his promises. Israel succeeded because it was guided and protected by the grace of God. He took them out of the despair of slavery and took them to the assurance of freedom. His grace alone is how they crossed over from being a nation of slaves to a dominating force in the promised land. Let me share with you the reasons that we have survived as a general rule. The black community is a type of children of Israel. We have survived generations of difficulties and frustrations because God has favored us with his grace. Like Israel, we have been blessed whether we lived in the city or in the country. In the country, he protected us as we lived in sharecropper shacks with newspaper-covered walls and a wood-burning stove. Many of us hadn't had to experience that, but it hasn't been 
too far back. And if you have some older relatives, ask them about it. He touched the ground with his finger, and the cotton that was planted grew tall, and the bales were full. Our families grew strong, and he protected us from the sicknesses and the illnesses that should have destroyed us because of the lack of all of the required nutrients in our diets and our rural lifestyle. Likewise, in the city, he blessed us also. He helped us to survive the slum neighborhoods, the rat-infested apartments owned by absentee landlords. We weren't supposed to survive in the city because we had little learning and very few opportunities. We had to find work in the steel mills, factories, restaurants, or anywhere we could earn money in order to sustain our families. Yet, whether in the country or in the city, we survived and flourished. God blessed us with large families, just like Israel. We had plenty of babies. Plenty. We had black babies. We had brown babies. We had yellow babies. We had babies with a little hair. We had babies with plenty of hair. We had babies with silky hair. We had babies with curly hair. And we had babies with... <laughs> nappy hair. I was going to say kinky, but he said nappy. Our babies were raised by a neighborhood of mamas and daddies and uncles and aunts and grandparents and next-door neighbors. It's like every woman in the hood was a mama. And these mamas looked at their neighbor's children as if they were their own. And bad children got spanked by all the mamas and the papas. And they got spanked again when they got home by their biological parents. God blessed those families with an abundance of love if they had nothing else. It's the only way that families with so little could be so large and still thrive. Like Israel. We have seen our enemies rebuked and chastised right before our eyes. We trembled when men rolled through our communities in white sheets and called themselves the Knights of the Ku Klux Klan. We watched them lynch our mothers and fathers, beat our sisters and brothers, and spit on our hopes and dreams. But you know what? We got tired, and some of us fought back. I mean, I'm talking about men like Denmark Vesey and Nat Turner, 
And as time rolled on, and with God's grace and our faith, the intellect of our people could no longer be denied. And there were people of color that came forth like Booker T. Washington, who is an American educator, author, orator, and advisor to several presidents of the United States. Roy Wilkins, a prominent activist in the civil rights movement in the United States from the 1930s to the 1970s. History recounts that there are hundreds of people who put their lives on the line who risked all that they had for the right to be treated equally. And also there were those who paid the ultimate price just because of the color of their skin. Lamar Smith was shot to death on a courthouse lawn by a white man in broad daylight while dozens of people watched. The killer was never indicted because no one would admit that they saw a white man shoot a black man. Smith had organized blacks to vote in a recent election. Emmett Lewis Till was just a 14-year-old boy on vacation from Chicago. It was said that it was thought that he was flirting with a white woman in a store in Mississippi. And three nights later, two men took Till from his bed, beat him, shot him, and dumped his body in the river. And an all-white jury found the men not guilty. Willie Edwards Jr. was a truck driver on his way to work, and he was stopped by four Klansmen. They thought that he was the person who was supposedly dating a white woman, and under gun, they made him jump off of the bridge in the Alabama River. And his body was found three months later. Mega Evers, who directed the NAACP operations in Mississippi, he was, a leading campaign, was leading a campaign for integration in Jackson, Mississippi, when he was shot and killed in front of his home. Those are but a few names of the many who gave their lives for equal rights. But no name is more recognized than the name of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., a Baptist minister who was one of the major architects of the civil rights movement. He led and inspired major nonviolent desegregation campaigns, including those in Montgomery and Birmingham, Alabama. This winner of the Nobel Peace Prize gave what many may consider one of the greatest speeches ever during the 1963 March on Washington. He was assassinated as he, as he prepared to lead a demonstration in Memphis. He paid it all. My sisters and my brothers, we waited for God to move. Look at us now. We are able to sit together in the same building, under the same roof, not worrying about what would be going on on the outside, 
Because we are here to worship and praise the same God, the only true and living God. God is no respecter of person. God has no favorite. God does not know skin color. My sisters and brothers, we made it for God, waited for God to move. And when he did, the floodgates opened. Our enemies changed colors. When the courts said that Rosa Parks had the right to keep her front seat. They said James Meredith had a right to attend Ole Miss. They said that black folks could order a cup of coffee from the front door instead of going to the back. When God started moving, he did it right in front of all of our enemies. No longer to tell. Like Israel, we who were once slaves saw our destiny change. We could dream of being more than a fine shoeshine boy. More than a short order cook. More than a conductor or a Pullman porter on a train. God promised people like us that we would no longer be the tail. We watched with our own eyes as Andrew Young became a congressman, then an ambassador for the United States and the mayor of Atlanta, Georgia. We saw Edward W. Brooke become the first black man elected to the Senate. Every time we saw Colin Powell or Condoleezza Rice making powerful decisions, and when we saw young men like at the time Senator Barack Obama walking the halls of Congress, we saw the tail slowly Becoming the head. We were pushed to the top by an unseen force acting on the promise that those who were once last will be first. And finally, in 2008, the tail became the head, just like God promised. We must consider that the rise as a people has been closely associated with our faith and obedience to God. Moses promised Israel that they would continue to be blessed as long as they remain close to God. That promise remains true for us today also. It has been nothing but the grace of God that has brought us and taught us through the years. We know that it was the grace of God because he touched the souls of some of those who once oppressed us and changed their hearts. In 1748, a young slave trader became fed up with trading slaves. The selling and the buying of human flesh. 
he became troubled in his spirit. And one night, during a terrible storm, while at sea, John Newton cried out, Lord, have mercy on us. I wonder what that moment was like. I wonder if when the storm subsided is when his eyes were open. I wonder if the scales of slavery that blinded him fell from his eyes like the scales fell from Saul's eyes. I wonder if the stormy night at sea was his Damascus Road experience and he had realized the error of his ways. Whenever it was, he decided to put away his life as a slave trader. And he sat down and wrote the words of a song that has rang across the centuries. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Because of God's amazing grace, we should keep trusting in the Lord. If we trust in the Lord, he will make a way for us when there is no way. If we trust in the Lord, he'll build a bridge for us to cross over all of our troublings. If we trust in the Lord, he will be a shelter for us in a time of storm. If we trust in the Lord, when we're hungry and when we're thirsty, he'll be our bread and our water. Last week, sister said that he would be a lawyer in the courtroom and a doctor in the sick room. When the world asked how did a nation of slaves come so far, we can tell them that it was by God's grace and our faith. You see, it's the grace of God that woke me up this morning. It's the grace of God that puts me to sleep at night. It's that same grace that has brought me thus far. And it's that same grace that'll lead me on. God's grace has brought me through many dangers, toils, and snares. God's grace has brought me over hills and mountains and through the rugged plains, through the flooded valleys, through the storms and the rains. God's grace is with me through my ups, and I have the faith that it will be with me through my downs. God gives us grace, but we have to have the faith to believe it. Our faith is a positive response to what God has already provided by grace. By grace, we receive the faith that enables us to believe that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross and provide salvation we cannot achieve on our own. Grace is God's part. Faith is ours. 
We've come a long way, sisters and brothers. But the events that we've witnessed over the past few years lets us know that we still have a long way to go. You know, I think I know the answer to the question that that song asks. How I got over. How I made it over. You know, my soul looks back and wonders how I got over. And the answer to that is, it was by God's grace and our faith. Our scripture text says, for by grace ye are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And my objective this morning was to let you know that we as a people are where we are only because of God's grace and our faith to believe. God always keeps his promises. And his promises are always kept on time. God is the controller of time. His timeline may be a little different from ours, but rest assured, just as he brought the children of Israel from under the bondage of Egypt, and just like he brought our ancestors from under the bondage of the owners of the cotton fields, he can bring you out of whatever it is that has you under bondage. All you got to do is trust in him. Take it to him. Leave it with him and don't carry it around. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I know you may be going through some difficult times right now, whether they're financial, whether they're physical, whether they're spiritual or mental. But all you got to do is trust in the Lord. He can do everything but faith. I pray this morning that you were blessed by this message. And I pray that God continue to strengthen your faith. When you're down, when you don't understand, if you have questions, issues, if you're wondering, about anything. Think about the guy who wrote the song. Think of how God turned his life around. Think about how God blessed him with the words of the song that said, Zing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a like me, I want 
That applies to all of us. It's God's amazing grace and our faith that will bring us through. Amen. All heads bow and all eyes closed. I have two appeals. The first is for salvation. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today would be a good day to get to know him. So I invite you, if you are here in the sanctuary or if you are online, all you have to do is raise your hand and somebody will get with you and pray with you the prayer of salvation. If you are online, if you will call 850-862-3899, somebody will answer and pray with you. I see no hands. The second appeal is for a church home. Pastor Bolin would be happy to welcome you into the family of Striving for Perfection Ministries. We are teaching ministries. I'm more of a preacher than a teacher. We have many ministers. We have many styles. God gives the message in many ways. But this ministry is built on the foundation of God's holy word. I see no hands. It's prayer time. If you have a prayer concern, you can stand at your seat if you would like, or you can stay seated, and you can take it to the Lord. Hallelujah. Dear God, Father, we thank you for bringing us to this day, O oh Lord God. Father, we thank you for bringing us to this month. Lord God, we pray that your message went forth with power and authority, touching who it needed to touch, doing what it needed to do, O oh Lord. Father, we are so happy and so grateful that you have been with us and brought us through those times, O oh Lord God. God, that we could all set together, worship you under the same roof, oh Lord God. Because we know that you see no color, Lord. All you see is the purity of heart. So God, for that, we want to say thank you, dear Lord. And Lord, while we're here, Father, we just ask that you look down upon those who might be in the hospital, oh Lord God. Those who might be going through some things that they cannot take care of on their own, Lord. And we're asking that you bless them, Lord. And Father, in all things, we'll continue to give you all the glory, all of the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen and amen. Hallelujah.